Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'd like to welcome back to Chai FM a colleague um, who dabbles in the dark arts of the complicated. And in this respect, he made a representation to government, to, to parliament rather, on, on the behalf of the institute, on the new public procurement bill. Welcome, Gabriel Krauser. How's it, Sarah? Thank oh. you for that intro to the dark arts. And uh, very apt, I think, given what you were talking about earlier with... Yeah. Uh, no, we only do the dark arts on this program. Um, well, that's, I think, what some of the audience may feel. Gabriel, I'd like to go back to really to basics and look at, before we get to the potential change in uh, public procurement, what is public procurement? So the government spends money basically in three ways, let's say. Uh, one is paying salaries. Uh, what you were just talking about to um, the very large civil service uh, in all its guises. The second is to pay social grants, uh, direct transfers. And the third is to buy stuff and services from the private sector. So um, once upon a time, I was an art critic and I used <laughs> to go to the Johannesburg Art Gallery uh, to the, see Africa's largest collection of fine art. And uh, there'd be no toilet paper. <laughs> and the reason was because the government wasn't buying the toilet paper. Government doesn't make toilet paper. Mm. There are no workers in the making toilet paper business. Uh, so they have to buy from the private sector. And procurement is just the word for buying stuff from the private sector. And the total amount that's spent every year approached about one trillion rand in 2015. And then it came down. So it hasn't breached the trillion mark yet. Mm. I expect that when Minister Gorongwana um, gives his medium-term budget policy statement uh, in the beginning of November, he is going to say that it has breached a trillion. But the biggest cut in procurement has been infrastructure. So infrastructure-related procurement purchases uh, have dwindled, I think, 80% over the last five years. Um, but So we're still buying a lot of, uh, let's say, toilet paper and mops. Uh, but not necessarily sort of bitumen and uh, uh, stuff that uh, makes bridges and so on. Well, certainly the uh, Joe Bogart gallery, which I also used to enjoy, is probably now in the toilet. Um, we've had a few. Well, yes. we, we've, we've had a few sessions. We've had a few sessions on 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 the show about that. So essentially, it's it's the, the, it's the government buying what the government needs to operate uh, to and what stuff. the people need. Yeah, I mean, mm. uh, if you, if SASA grants can't be distributed without people getting free issued cards or there being buildings that they can go to, etc. Um, and I presume that one of the problems with this huge drop in infrastructure spend is it's, it's the infrastructure spend that you need to attract serious investment. Yeah, that is the concern. I mean, there are those who, sort of think the government really shouldn't do anything. But generally in modern economies, in order to grow, in order to attract investors, they want to know that there are roads that work. Um, and when the roads don't work, okay, you can spend a million rand a kilometer. Or I think it's not mm. two million rand a kilometer to make your own roads. Um, but then everyone else is using them. So that doesn't feel so great and is not necessarily going to make economic sense. Uh, and so companies will move around and go away if, mm. if the infrastructure is not 
maintained and growing. And I think everyone knows, you know, the rail networks in South Africa are so decrepit that, and together with the ports, you know, you can have a huge spike in wheat, in fertilizer prices, in coal prices, all to do with the war in Ukraine. And uh, South African uh, producers are very limited in their ability to take advantage in that price spike because it costs more, for example, to get a ton of millies mm. from the free state to Durban Harbor than it does to get it from Durban Harbor to Europe, America, <laughs> China. <laughs> because you have to use the roads and the roads are, are, are themselves under huge strain. Right. Um, we have this public, this new public procurement bill. Uh, why do we have it? What is it? How does it differ from from what exists and what's the problem with it? So what exists is the is the Public Procurement Policy Framework Act, mm-hmm. the Triple PFA. That was passed in 2000, very early days. And what that did, you can tell that's a very old law in the New South Africa because it's only one page long. <laughs> so I would say the... the they learned fast. Ever, <laughs> ever since the biggest complaint has been that it's not complicated enough. The current system's advantages are as follows. Well, let me just lay out what the current system is, according to the law. It says that uh, it sets out an 80-20 or 90-10 point system. So for small contracts, uh, 80 points go to price, and then 20 points go to things like BEE. And uh, that in, and on a pro rata basis, which means in principle that the the winning tender can never be more than 20% more expensive mm. than the best uh, non-BE option. And and just remember, non-BE options can be Japanese companies selling uh, original, manu- you know, huge, uh, complicated, multi-billion rand parts that go into power stations, right. where it's just like no one outside of Japan knows how to build that, but no one inside Japan uh, is, is BE. Mm. So... Um, so there's a 10%, so it's, it's, it's 90-10 for large contracts, which in theory means there's a 10% cap on, on the BEE premium. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, those, those extra 10 points don't necessarily have to go to BEE. Uh, the law doesn't mention race at all. Mm-hmm. It says um, those points must be awarded for special concerns, I think is the phrase, and it lists uh, uh, RDP Specific goals. Sorry, that's the phrase. It lists RDP-specific goals as being uh, viable candidates. And if you look back at what RDP-specific goals were, they were directly poverty relief. So in principle, a company could could come and say, look, the, the advantage of, of taking us on is that we employ more people mm. than our competitors. Or we will go and use some of the money to build a school in a, in a, in a, in a impoverished community or something like that. Mm. So race blind, mm. um, upliftment, um, c- can fit under the current law. This has to change, um, because <clears throat> I think in principle, the Zonda report mm-hmm. said it's time to change the rules. And just to give it, just to give like three statistics that I represented that I said to the, Finance Standing Committee that's tabled this new bill. Here's the, the first one, kind of not that surprising, but in a way it is a little bit surprising. The World Bank has, since 1996, ranked countries' perceived ability to combat corruption. 
Now, South Africa today is in the middle of the pack. So half the world is more corrupt than South Africa. You know, we complain a lot. <laughs> but just, <laughs> just go north of the border, go visit like South America, most places. Mm. It, there's a whole half the planet that is, <laughs> that is, uh, is, is worse off. So think about that. On the other hand, if you look at the rate of decline, we have the seventh fastest rate of decline in the world over the last 25 odd years. And if you look at who's faster, it's Venezuela, Yemen, etc. None of them. Those paragons of virtue, yes. None of them are constitutional democracies by any stretch of the imagination. So of all constitutional democracies, we have the worst increase in corruption in the world. We have over 4 million South African children that are malnourished mm -hmm. and have stunted growth as a result. So the humanitarian crisis is very real right. uh, as a result of uh, a decline in uh, GDP growth that goes with an increase in corruption. And the Zonda report made a very specific argument that the corruption that we've got here is based on the rules of the game, that the rules of the game incentivize corruption, and they do so mm. by creating a logical contradiction. They say the top priority is value for money. Mm -hmm. And the top priority, effectively, I'm going to uh, use the uh, sh shortened version, is BEE. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you, anyone has studied any logic at all, I mean, 101, just like the logic of ordering lunch with the family, you know, if one thing is the top priority, then that means it's the top priority. Mm. You can't have two things being the top priority. Mm. That's mm. the opposite of what priority means. That's like saying one is bigger than two and two is bigger than one. Or yeah. A is bigger than B and B is bigger than A. doesn't make sense. And Zondo's point is, Zondo's argument, volume one, page 797. I, I, I've quoted <laughs> I this right. for <laughs> a year and a half now. <laughs> Even I remember. His, his, his argument is, is drawn from uh, former acting chief procurement officer at Treasury, uh, Vilima Tebula's comment, amongst others, that half the time procurement officers go astray, they, it's because the rules are so confusing, they literally don't know what they're supposed to do. But then the other half, <laughs> people are taking advantage, mm. where you create this um, gloom, this smoke-filled, uh, you know, uh, shadow of... Confusion, the dark arts of confusion, where you make things super confusing, you can't audit very easily. And mm. where you can't audit very easily, you can corrupt very, very easily. And so Zondo said, you've got to do two things. And I always emphasize the two because it, 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 it gets to the logical structure of this point. The first thing he says is just choose one genuine top priority. Two, maybe BE must be top priority. Maybe, um, Value for money must be top priority. And in a way, if you just made BEE the top priority, that would be better than the current system because at least it would be honest. Mm. And if it was at least honest, it could be enforceable. So the first thing he says is choose a top priority and be honest about it. And then the second thing that you must do is choose the right top priority. <laughs> and the right top priority is value for money. money. He's explicit about that, and we repeated that to the – to the standing committee. But of course, what this bill does is it does the opposite. The first thing that it does is really confuses the matter even further. Sarah, how amazing is this? Kasatu's representatives of all <laughs> right-thinking organizations came to make the point 
that so many categories of preference have been created that by their computation, there are literally over one million permutations. Jeez. Of category preferences that you can create. Kasati was complaining about this. Transnet was complaining about this. They said currently they can't even get tenders from original manufacturers and they're compelled to buy from middlemen things like railway tracks because yeah. no one makes it in this country and they know they're spending extra and they can't get enough rail on the ground to, to make the system work. So they said, please, can you just let value for money come in on that thing? So, you know, you've got, and the bill does the opposite. The bill says, it recognizes an explicit language that, that its compliance is going to be so arduous and so onerous that in some cases it's going to be uneconomical, impractical, and I quote, impossible. <laughs> and it says in those cases, the public procurement officer may, but not must, may grant a deviation. <laughs> and then only if a donation's been made to, I don't know, the, the local. So it's, it's really, it's, it, it's, uh, he may not, you know, they may insist to keep it uneconomical. And, and, and that brings us back to what you were talking about at the start of the show, um, the government employment. Really, government employment has led the way, uh, in the, in the race to the bottom in South Africa by saying, by what I call the Barnard Nadasan principle, mm-hmm. where it started in the police, went to the fire department, started with a white woman, then an Indian man, but it's been applied to black people, colored people, uh, all races have suffered from, Government departments in South Africa under the ANC explicitly saying for this post, it's better to have nobody at all than somebody of the overrepresented race. And that's not, you know, that's not, that is clear. That is unambiguous. And it's, it's anti work. It's anti value add. It's, it's, it says your race is so important. It's literally an empty chair is better than Mm. the wrong bum cheeks is what I said. (laughs) And, and, and it's taking that logic, which, which constrains service delivery value add, um, and, and it's applying, it's transferring it, transforming it radically, mm. uh, from the employment promotion scheme into the procurement scheme. And the reason for that is the procurement where there's big money that, that ramifies across the private sector. And there's a lot of corrupt private companies mm. in this country, some international, some locals, you know, some, White monopoly capital companies like Bain or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the accounting firms, the Goldman Sachs. There are companies of all sorts that benefit from political, from currying political connections. Can I just In ask, a situation yeah. where the alternative to, to the political connections is, hey, we'll just do no job at all. Mm. Uh, if we can't hire our best friends yeah. to to give us the toilet paper. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, one of my sons actually had a situation where he, uh, we had two situations. One was, he went for a, a job and they did exactly that. They said, look, you know, we're not getting black applicants. You're white. We're going to withdraw the job. Yeah. Um, and the other one was, it was really quite funny because uh, the, 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 the person on the other side of the phone said to him, she was very impressed. She said, please tell me you colored. <laughs> Dude, and think about it. Think about the customer. Mm. This is my basic argument. Which is the that kind of situation. Mm. The customer is the person who's being deserved. Like there's obviously a poignant moral point to the young person, any age person who's trying to get a job and, and, you know, keep their life going. But, but from a, and that matters, but obviously the government's not very compelled by those kinds of interests. Mm-hmm. So part of what I try to emphasize in our submission was think about the customer. And the mm-hmm. customer in this case is poor South Africans, those four million starving children and everyone else. And, and those are the people uh, really being cut mm. 
by keeping an empty chair in the fire department in Durban's mm. uh, maintenance system or mm. keeping an empty chair at the top of the police complaints department, which are the Barnard and Anderson cases. Likewise, if you get into procurement and you say, look, we're going to buy stuff to build a new power station and the power station is going to cost 238 billion rand just to pull a you know, an arbitrary <laughs> casino related number up. <laughs> yes. Um and 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 ten percent of that's going to be extra for BE. That's already to near twenty five billion, shall we say? Mm. How ma- how many lunches do you think you can buy for twenty five billion? How many uh, roads in rural areas? How many kilometers can you can you improve? That's going to make material difference. How many classrooms? How many pit latrine toilets mm. can mm. you replace with that amount of money? And and what I don't get at this stage of our history mm. is is how anyone can prefer to to make centimillionaires into billionaires you know mm. where's that extra going mm. it's going to making the rich richer mm-hmm. how anyone can prefer that extra money to go there to those at the top of the heap rather than to go further deeper into the heart of Rural, former Bantustan, South Africa, into the heart of the townships, into the heart of the CBDs that are on fire, that are that are that are crumbling all too literally. I mean, I'm here back in Joburg. Uh, I, I took a little tour through the the collapsed Breeze Street, past the burn building. You know, we need we don't have an excess of money here. We really need all of the money that that is already being sucked out of private hands into the fiscus mm. to be directed. On a value for money basis, it needs to go as far as it can go to address very real needs, very urgently. Can I ask? Uh, do I understand? Essentially, Zonda pronounces that that the priority must sh- must be value add. Uh, sorry, must be um, um, yeah, no value for value. money. Yeah, and but the, so in other words, given the very high profile of his commission and himself, he's made this quite distinctive pronouncement that sort of undermines all the no goodness that's go- that's been going on for the last 20 years but his his commission cannot has has no authoritative force it can make recommendations but notwithstanding the untenable um financial situation that this country is in and that Gordon is faced with having to try and i don't know figure out um the the cabinet, the government is still persisting in something that would make it worse, that goes against that very logical, um, very public pronouncement. And I asked the question, I asked the question, the question is why, and the answer you'll have to give us after the break. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. The answer. So I'm going I'm to give it with an anecdote. The... Load shedding bedeviled the standing committee's uh, uh, <laughs> hearings, which were extremely fast. You know, just by the way, if you think everything happens very slowly in South African government, this bill, which makes things much, much uh, more corrupt, is is racing through uh, faster than the car train Amazing. just being yeah. installed. So the, because of the load shedding, the only delay was uh, the, the people zooming in couldn't speak. So we started with the uh, people in situ, and that started with the International Women's Forum. 
and you know very multiculty uh, uh, a white lady, a colored lady, a black lady, each uh, sort of taking a turn. The white lady spoke for twice as long as everyone else, a point which was latched on uh, oh, by the EFF uh, highly critically. The what important, did, important stuff, I'm glad to see. Yeah. What did they say, Sarah? They said, look, in, in 2020, they pulled up the quote and they put the play, the clip, Cyril Ramaphosa, our uncle president, promised that the ladies, there would be set-asides of 40% of that trillion rand to women-owned businesses, regardless of cost. And they found this outrageous because it should be at least 50%. Okay, these these are race gender merchants. Mm. Okay, it is their job in life. They get money to go around and say, look, never mind value for money, never mind the poor, never mind, you know, standard business practices, never mind clearing up the space for auditing against corruption. We're getting paid to tell you that you have to set aside contracts, 50% of contracts for women. Uh, then comes the Black Business Council. Okay, we come and we make the Zondo value for money points at great length. Then comes the Black Business Council. Black Business Council says, look, guys, we need – they're being paid. Their whole purpose in life is to say, never mind value for money. We need uh, to make more black billionaires. Then comes the Black Accounting Association. A BASA. Then comes the Black um, Auditors Association. The, there are several organizations. If, if an organization has women or black or something like that in its name, then it's being paid not to promote value for money. It's being paid to promote some social identity. Mm. So those lobby groups are not inconsequential. They have a lot of ticky in the bank. Uh, and they exert their influence. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's an important part of a civil democracy that, that people who do believe, uh, that it's better to make an extra black billionaire, uh, than it is to serve 30 million poor people, most of whom are black because of apartheid, uh, a little bit better. If that's your opinion, you know, you want to redistribute money from the poor to the rich, uh, on the basis of race. It's your right in this democracy to to fund organizations that are going to make mm. that argument. And the people who fund those organizations are doing very well. Mm. And those organizations are doing very well. And and so that's part of it. The ANC is, like everything else, uh, swimming in a co- academic space, a media space, a think tank space, which mm. is heavily tilted to one side rather than another when mm. it comes to value for money. That's part of it. Then another part of it is the ANC itself has the same ideological uh, break as the, as the Black Business Council mm. and so on, who all said, Sora, in South Africa, if you spend extra on a black centi millionaire, a dollar millionaire, whatever, that is value for money. Jimmy Manyi had a long exchange with me that was Zuma spokesman and I was an EFF red overall guy. He said, Gabriel, because my big complaint, by the way, mm. Or, or let me say, my technical complaint is that Treasury has never budgeted. They have never said how much does this preferencing, race preferencing in procurement cost. Mm. And that is a violation of its constitutional duty mm-hmm. to, to, to account. It doesn't have to say whether this is good or bad. Yeah. You know, money just, is being spent on accounting. A, just account for it. Mm. So we are going to, uh, we're going to get that information one way or another mm. out of them. But the reason they don't account is because I think 
most South Africans, and our, our polling is strongly suggestive of this, most South Africans do not think it's a great idea to spend extra billions to make the rich richer. Uh, so they don't want to n- name the number. But the way that the Black Business Council and company answer this question is that they say, every time you get a value-for-money deal, if there's a white owner of that business, that's actually against value-for-money. Mm. That's actually promoting apartheid. That was literally... Their argument. So someone goes to checkers and buys the cheapest toilet paper. It was made in China or something. That's apartheid. Like, I think there's a real, um, sad forgetfulness about how, about what apartheid means and also about what uh, most, most South Africans really want, which is, which is to make the few rands that they have go further. So the ANC's problem is an ideological one. It, it literally can't even remember what is value for money halfway through the conversation. It's a, it's a influence one. And then finally, the last element, which you already know, and it's the Zonda Report's whole point, is corruption. Mm. By doing the bill like this, that trillion rand, uh, further opens up, uh, as a potential honeypot that, uh, all of the bees, mm. Uh, can land on. Yeah, one, I mean, we're coming out of that. What what worries me is we're 30 years into democracy. You've got interest groups who's, who's saying that the promotion of um, the creation of black billionaires, uh, black women, etc., is crucial. And what it suggests is these people are saying we don't we 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 don't have the the, the wherewithal to to work the hard yards and. As people do to make business, it's not, I mean, a lot of businesses are not, you know, businesses needn't be highly technical, professional businesses. I mean, I, I've seen business, particularly small businesses, um, and we've used a lot of black-owned businesses, black-run uh, businesses, that uh, where people have gone through a decade or more working for someone else, as one does, and finally gone on on their own and brought in a number of young people to train but they they've they they trained they've perhaps what may they may lack is skills of of, of uh, rating themselves financially and what they should be what they should be uh, quoting but these are people who've who've learned the business created their own businesses they are the sort of almost the the bedrock of what south africa should be about and they not when they're not worried about they're not looking at, at at color one way or the other they just Doing the business. Well, so here's what's very important in my opinion. Uh, Richard Maponya, mm. one of the great flagship black capitalist self-made dudes, um, he was highly critical of BE because he said it undermined the entrepreneurial spirit in the township because you could see people, instead of being hungry mm. to do business, to add value, they got hungry to join the club, mm. uh, the, the government club to, to find a way to suck um, value out of that. And, uh, if you look more recently, um, Action SA has just tabled a policy sternly opposing BEE. And I've, I've been told by people who go on X that they and the DA are now fighting about who was the first <laughs> who opposed BEE. That's an excellent fight in my opinion. Absolutely. Please, everyone is winning the more that fight happens. <laughs> and look at Patrice Motsepe. Patrice Motsepe just last week in the build-up to, 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 to around this procurement thing was saying, we really have to stop experimenting. You cannot promote someone who hasn't got that 10, 15 years experience. You have to choose unambiguously, unambiguously, emphatically the best person for the job. You know, mm. and uh, so I think that, 
I think that South Africa is going through um, – it, it, we, we're entering a new era, and, 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 a, and a big part of the contest that is going to define the election cycle coming up in, in the next five years, maybe the next decade, is going to be who wins here. Because there, there's, there's there's it's a, a, quite an evenly pitched balance of forces. On the one side, you have people – Private businesses, white people, colored people, Indian people, black people, who have figured out how to how to play the game of the patronage network. Mm-hmm. Some of them are in the think tank space. Some of them are in the media. And and what you have is a small, a shrinking economy in real terms, mm-hmm. and a redistribution from the poor to the rich. And some people have figured out how to make that work for themselves. Right. And as there's less money, you need to make it more aggressive, more aggressive be more aggressive uh, localization. More, uh, aggressive style of politics, more, you know, kill the bush chanting in the stadium. Mm. Everything has to get more aggressive mm. so that you have uh, a sufficiently increased, uh, confusion that makes it impossible for the, the, the prosecuting authority, the police, the, the, the value adders to go and, and find the genuine acts of corruption mm. and hold people accountable, etc. On the other hand, there are people that you're referring to, sorry, that, that have made businesses for themselves by providing goods and services that people want and will voluntarily pay for. It's mm. not coming through taxes that mm. you get taken from you. It's, it's you, you want to pay for this. This yeah. is great. This is making your life better. And, and those people are suffering. If you look at real GDP in South Africa and real gross fixed capital, real GDP has been basically growth, has been basically negative uh, per person, uh, uh, inflation adjusted. Uh, for the last 15 years. Gabriel, and sorry. that means I'm go- profit. Oh, sorry. I- I'm going to have to stop you there because we've gone deliciously over time. Um, even, even on an extended, uh, an extended basis. So let me thank you, having interrupted you nevertheless, let me thank you very much for coming on. Um, I think the points are superbly made and we, we know exactly where we stand. I'm just not sure the government knows entirely where it stands at the moment. But, um, hopefully we'll see you soon. Fun as always. Yeah. Very much. Thank you. I, I always enjoy having Cheers. the chats.